We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's move over to the defense, Ryan, and talk about the things we know and don't know and the surprises on defense. And when you look at this side of the ball, this is the side that's really been the most impressive in fall camp. And and I would say this, even with the standpoint of you always expect the defense to be ahead, I'm still even more impressed with this defense with that. And also, Ryan, you and I have been talking about this all summer. I know I've been talking about this a lot with Vince. This defense is going to be better than a lot of fans think. A, it was better than a lot of fans think already. B, you're going to see natural improvement in year two, especially when you have so many guys coming back with a lot of experience. And then you added three very important transfers, two of which have a chance to be starters this year. And and you have some position moves that are getting guys into better spots. And and so you look at this team, I expected them to be better. They've been better than I expected. And so this side of the ball is something that I'm very curious to see. Is it – the offense is just struggling that much that's making the defense look better? Or is this unit really ready to take that big jump and get back on track as being really one of the best defenses called college football? We're going to find that out, but I'm very encouraged by what I saw. It's a lot of depth on this defense, a lot of speed on this defense at all layers. They play with a lot of attitude. I mean, a lot of attitude. And their coaches kind of facilitate that. Have you ever seen Mike Mickens get interviewed? He's very calm and cool and a smart guy. And he, you know, likes to give sort of like the the thoughtful responses and doesn't want to give you too much. And you watch him at practice and you're like, that's an intense dude. That is not the guy we see at press conferences. And I kind of like guys like that, right? Like, you know, he 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 knows how to put on the, hey, we're all good. We're just working hard. And I, you know, we're just, we're just trying to do the best we can, kind of puts on that folksy type of thing. And then you get a practice and it's like that guy gets after it, right? He is coaching the heck out of these guys and his players take on that mentality. And then you watch the defensive line and Al Golden or Al Washington is a guy that caught a lot of heat this off season and last yep. year and, and part of it justified. We've given him some, but yep. you watch him coach this year and you're seeing a guy that's got very much got command of his room, but more importantly, unlike last year, you're seeing a room that's taking on his personality. Al Washington is a uh, – I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. He's very intense, and he is a six-foot – barely six-foot-tall defensive lineman that played Power 5 football. 
He was yeah. like 200, which means he's always been undersized. He's always been counted out. He's always been told you're not good enough to be here. He's coached at lower levels and had to work his way up. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And it's not a bad thing. And you know what his defensive line plays like? Uh, an intense guy with a chip on his shoulder. That's exactly how they've been all spring. They didn't take on his personality last year, Ryan. There's no doubt. There's no doubt they've taken on his personality this year. And those are some of the observations I've seen about this football team. So those are some of the things that we know about it from a big picture standpoint. But let's get into some more specifics and get into the nitty gritty about what we know about this football team. It's kind of like tackle on offense, Ryan. Corner. Like we know this cornerback room is going to be even better because you got everybody back on the outside from last year. And and your your reinforcements have arrived in the form of your two fastest corners now in Christian Gray and Micah Bell. That's your newcomers. You did lose Tariq Bracing the slot, had a great year last year, and you've replaced him with a guy in Thomas Harper, who might have even been even better on film last year than Tariq was, in my opinion, uh, because he's just got some size and some different things he can do. And so you say your strength from last year just got stronger going into the season. So cornerback is number one, the thing that we know. It is long, it is athletic, it is experienced now, and it is talented to the point where a guy that two years ago was starting for Notre Dame three years ago on a playoff team is now at best your fourth corner. That's where they're at right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's a, cra- it's a crazy amount of depth that's been created in that cornerback room. I feel like we hyper-focused on wide receivers so much because it's been such a quick that's happened over the last couple of years, but cornerback has been one of those ones that Coach Mickens has just done this in about three to four years now, where you're like, he is steadily improved, improved this cornerback room greatly. I mean, Brian, like we talk about, you know, who's going to be the best cornerback duo in college football. 
And I think we both agree that it can be Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart if they have the seasons that we think that they can have. Regardless, though, there have been some years where Notre Dame cornerbacks, I look at them and I'm just like, they don't look the parts, right, all the time. I think that's like 2020 where you had to go and get Nick McLeod just because you were desperate for cornerbacks. Like, you were yeah. desperate. And no shot at Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod ended up being a good player at Notre yes. Dame. But it, they don't still... make the playoff if Nick McLeod doesn't transfer to Notre Dame in 2020. Yeah. But the point you're making, if I'm correct, is you shouldn't have to rely on a guy like Nick McLeod to come in and save your season from a cornerback right. standpoint, correct? Yeah. I, 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 it's almost the move of desperation to a degree, yes. right? Because you needed him to play. Like there was no just bringing a like, like I'll, I'll coin it to like Antonio Carter at the safety position, right? You brought in Antonio Carter to strengthen the depth and to compete. Like that was the biggest thing, right? But Nick McLeod was going to start if he came to Notre Dame. Like everyone knew that. <laughs> like he's going to right. start. He's going to come in because he needs to play because you don't have a lot of viable options that are right. on the roster right now. At Notre Dame right now, I look to one side, I see a freshman All-American from last year, a kid that had six interceptions, Benjamin Morrison, and probably going to be a first-round pick next year. Like, that's probably what the the track that he's on right now. On the other side, you have a corner who just made the Feldman's freak list for two straight years that is right around six foot three, just about, runs in the four fours, explosive athlete, former wide receiver as well. Your two starting corners look the parts. And then behind them, guess what? You have a kid that's a legit 4-3 athlete. You have Christian Gray who came in who's been a freshman sensation in the spring and the fall when he's been healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And he is the slower of the two freshman corners, and he was verified at (laughs) 4-4-1 last year. Like, what the Yeah. So the depth. And that's not even counting Jaden Mickey. That's not even counting right. a couple of the Who's other. Who's had a very good spring world. and fall camp? Correct. Exactly. Correct. I mean, it, it's an embarrassment of riches, man. They have depth at corner, the most they've had in some time. Like I can't remember the last time yeah. they had this much depth at corner. I really can't. You you talked about the freaks list. Cam Hart was what was he the year before? Like he was in like the eighties. I think the no, year he, before. he was thirty eight the year before in thirty thirty eight. So then he jumped yep. up to thirty two. I'm reading the report that you had from Bruce Feldman. He said he hit 23.01 miles per hour on the GPS, which was up from the 21.7 he ran from the year before. So it's like a mile and a half per hour faster. And it it tracks with what we've been reporting about what he's done this offseason, Ryan. You look at the 505 pound squat. That's really bad. That's really like impressive for a kid that size. And then 40 pull-ups. They, they, like Notre Dame was given this weird pull-up data, right? (laughs) But 40 pull-ups for a guy that long is is impressive. But what we've reported is that, you know, Cam has been putting in the work this offseason. He's really been getting after it. He's got a lot to prove. He's bigger and stronger and all those kind of things. Well, those numbers support that, that he has gotten faster. But here's the thing. He was already one of their fastest players. Like 23 miles an hour on the on the the, the GPS thing is, is moving. Just for context purposes, Ryan, Chris Tyree was on the freaks list two years ago in 2021. Yeah. And we all knew how fast he was. Feldman reported at the time that Chris Tyree's max speed on that was 22.3. Yeah. yeah. Cam Hartz was 23.01. Now the question is, flying, man. he's got to stay healthy, right? Ryan, like that's going to be yeah. the big key. But that's uh that's a, you know, you're, 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 you're dealing with a great foundation to start on. Here's another thing that we know. 
And this is going to be the one that gets disagreed upon. We're not getting into it today. You guys can say what you want to say. Uh, there's no doubt that we know what the linebackers are going to do this year from a floor standpoint. And it's really just look at, again, it's look at the last six games of the season. And I would even say you could narrow it down to two of the three linebackers. We know what Jack Kaiser and J.D. Bertrand are going to be. Maris Lufau, to me, is still a question mark. He is. But the reality is the arrival of Thomas Harper means you don't have to play Maris unless he does get better. Because if he doesn't, you just make the move and you put Jack Kaiser there, which they've already done. And I would argue this. The, the linebacking core looks so much better this year now that you've got two straight recruiting classes on campus because you add Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury to that group and Preston's entry even to a degree, but you add those two guys right there, Ryan, and all of a sudden you just added your two freakiest athletes and two of your three freakiest athletes at that position in those two guys. So, yeah, that uh, the linebacking core to me is a no. Now, the floor-wise, how good will it be? That remains to be seen. But sure. from a floor standpoint, we know. Well, and the floor has been been risen because of the young linebackers on this on this group right now, right? And I mean, I it's funny to say that, but like there has just been such an increase of depth of talent over the last couple of years in recruiting, and we knew that this was coming, right? I mean, when you stack classes of Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler and Joshua Burnham and Junior Tuilamaka, and then roll into Drake Bowen and Preston Zinter and Jay Nosberry, and then now into the 2024 class, like you knew that this was going to happen. At some point, you're going to be like, wow, the linebacker room looks different than what it looked mm -hmm. used to look like. It does. Yeah. So I think that that's where the floor is getting risen, is the fact that you have numbers, right? Like depth can raise the floor of this of a team as well. And I think that that depth, it's just like, I always talk about the Knowledge in the system right? can too, Ryan. That's the other part of it. So can knowledge you, in a you system. have a couple you have a couple linebackers that are known commodities at this point. So, you know, you talk about what JD Bertrand is, you talk about Jack Kaiser is. If they're just as good as they were last year, then they're good players. And that will right. help your floor as well. But the other group, whether it's Marist or it's not Marist, you have other options that are on the table. And what and the fact that you have that, law of averages say that one out of X amount of those players are going to hit, right? Two out of X amount of players, those are going to hit. So I feel comfortable with where the linebackers are. I feel good about the floor because they have seriously improved the depth and the talent of depth at the linebacker position. When I look at the knowns also, Ryan, it ties into this position to a degree. And that is the coaching aspect of it. So when you look at this group, you look at the coaching staff um, and – Look, there are certain things we don't know, Ryan. There are certain things we got to find out, you know, how much better they're going to be, different things along those lines. But here's what we do know. We do know that the entire coaching staff is coming back. We do know how the defense played in the second half of the season. We've broken down those numbers. We've talked about the linebacker production numbers. We've talked about the overall the play of the defense in the final six games of the season with USC being a bit of an anomaly during that kind of stretch. We know what teams tend to do when they get second seasons in a system. We see it all the time where teams make jumps in those regards. There's a lot of what we, we – when you talk about the ceiling, Ryan, that's rarely a known. The ceiling right. of a team is rarely known going into a season. But when you talk about the floor, when you talk about what we know, we know what Al Gold wants to do. 
He now has a second year of experience. We've seen him make the adjustments. We've seen him drop some stuff from last year to this year. We've seen him add some wrinkles from last year to this year now that he knows the players better. And I, I from what I've seen, the combination of him and Max Bola working together, for whatever reason, is clicking. It just, it just, it works. And we're seeing this group now having better talent helps, right? Getting Drake and Jaden and all that. But it it really, you just watch JD and Jack and even Maris to a degree, who again with Maris, it's like, I just need to see it to believe it. But I can't deny some of the things I've seen in practice where he just looks like he knows what he's doing more yeah. so than he did in the past. That's a known to me. We, 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 it's the opposite of the offense. We don't know what the offense is going to do. We know what this defensive staff can do. And it's a staff that even with all the issues we had last year, held Ohio State to 21 points, held Clemson to 14 points, held Marshall to 19 points, held Stanford to 16 points, you know, and and did what it did last season. And you, you can't deny that. Now it's like, okay, now take that jump. That's what we need to see. But you have to go into the season feeling like there's a pretty good baseline, a pretty good floor for what this team, what kind of coaching this football team is going to get. And I'll be honest, there's a couple guys in this defensive staff that are coaching with a little bit more, a little bit more fire this year than last year. Uh, Al Washington being one, mainly because honestly, Ryan, he, I think he just has more faith that like this room is bought in and I now know the players and know the system and that can't be disputed more. And we'll, we'll talk about more about that here in a second, but I think the coaching aspect, you can't ignore that we go into the season. It's a, it's a known, we, we know what it is. We know what the floor is and we saw what it can do last year when it goes well. well experience and trust matters in any circle, right? I mean, it really does. And it's easier for players to buy into a coach when they've been there for multiple years mm-hmm. and they have more time with them. I mean, naturally. And I also think it goes both ways though, right? Is that as a coach, you're also getting more trust in the players and knowing what they can and can't do and what they can handle and what they can't handle. And so I think that that, I think that that relationship is very beneficial to both sides. I think that both sides have learned about each other greatly, you know, like the the defensive line room, you found out who was going to buy in, you found out who wasn't going to buy in. And some of those guys are gone, obviously at this point. And the ones that did buy in are still around the linebackers. I think you're going to take a natural maturation from year one to year two, just because the expectations are the same, right? Like, you know what to expect now from Al Golden, from a day-to-day process perspective, from a defensive perspective, just the expectations are more well-known. And then everyone, you know, natural maturation on the back end as well. You know, another year working with Coach O'Leary in the safety room, another so year of Coach Year three Mickens. now, right, for him? Yeah. Year three yep. for him, year four for Mike Mickens? Yep. Right. So all that, I think all that experience and trust working together is going to take it a step forward. How yeah. good it will be is a question, yeah. but the fact that it's going to be better and that it's going in the right direction, mm-hmm. I think is, you can't discount that, right? Yeah. It's like, it'll at least be as good as it was last year. And they were a solid to good defense last year. Can they take it up to being a very good to great defense? That's the question. Right. I think they can. But I think they have the baseline to do it. But that's one of the unknowns, right, is just how good they're going to be. And that's true for a lot of people because everybody's replacing a coach or a player or whatever from last year. And we don't truly know this, the ceilings of all these players. Let's dive into the surprises, though, Ryan, because I think it's a nice transition from what we were just talking about to one of the big surprises. We discussed this summer that there was a confidence with us that the defensive line was going to be pretty good. Now, how good? 
we still don't know. But sure. I don't think you and I were in the group of people really freaking out about the defense. We felt the transition of Riley Mills inside was going to work out. We liked what we saw from Howard Cross. We knew the young players were going to be a year older. You know, Jordan Pitzelho showed what he can do. You know, I, I was on a, a, a spot on set Sunday, and the guys asked me, you know, hey, you lost a lot from your defensive line last year. How are they going to replace them? And I was like, well, the good news is we've, we've seen those guys already have to play a game without them, right? And right. Riley Mills and Jordan Pitzelho combined for three and a half sacks in that game when they had to replace Adam Yola and Foskey. But I'll still say this, even with the fact that you and I had a, a higher expectation for the D-line than maybe others, I'm still surprised at how well the defensive line has played, especially, especially inside. I, I mean, Ryan, we were, we were talking about this. Was it you that I was on the show with and said, if Notre Dame had to start Gabriel Rubio and how and Jason Onye this year, there's a lot of teams on their schedule that would love to have that duo as their starting lineup. And that's their yeah. twos. Yeah. That I mean, if Notre Dame lines up tomorrow, their second team defensive line could be Gabriel Rubio, a former top hundred recruit, Jason Onye, who's got as high of a ceiling as anybody they have on the on the inside, uh, Javante Jean Baptiste or Nana Osafa Mensa, and then Josh Burnham or Junior Tuyalamaka. That's their second group. That that's better than some starting defense. A lot of starting defensive lines that Notre Dame is going to face this year, and and then you get into okay, there's also Donovan Heinish who's looked really good this sprint this fall. Get Aiden Kana Anna, who's had a really nice fall camp. He's healthy. He's looking quicker. He's in better shape. He's always going to be a big kid, but he just it's proportioned a little better this year than it maybe it has in the past because of how hard he's had to work to get back from the knee injury he sure. suffered, uh, you know, uh, the spring before last. And you're not even getting to Armel Mukum and some of the some of the newcomers, Tyson Ford, I mean talk about Tyson Ford, uh who who can play end and inside. The depth and the athleticism of the Notre Dame starting lineup and Riley Mills, you know, who's a guy that Notre Dame fans love to bang on for some reason. I know we're not in that category, but he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list at number 10. He was on it last year. And what he said was, is that here's what he said about Mills. He benched 450 pounds, did 225 reps on the bench 30 times, squatted 635 pounds, hit a 20.64 on the GPS, which was up from 19 last year. Vertical jumped almost 33 inches and did 31 pull-ups at 306 pounds. He was the number 10 freak on that list. And he's played really well from what we've seen in fall camp. But it's not even like Riley's going off every day and he's just carrying the rest of the group. It's like some days it's Rubio's balling. Some days it's Onye balling. So, you know, as far as like just really making the most plays. But every single day that we've seen them, that group has played really good football. And they play with a lot of attitude. I mean, Ryan, it is just nonstop barking at the other side of the ball. But it's done in a way where it's like not that false enthusiasm. It's just, man, we're out here to compete with you every single day. Everybody yeah. talks about how good you are as an offensive line. Well, hey. We're going to show you that we're we're every bit as good and better, and that's the attitude that they play with, and and they're fun to watch. And you see how Al Washington acts, and you can see okay, they're pretty much adopting that fire that he comes at them with every single day. And I've been really impressed with what I've seen from, I mean, really the entire group. Diamond Heinish was in that scrimmage we saw was balling out. I mean, he was getting in the backfield two three times in the reps he was in there. I mean, it just didn't matter who they put in the game, Ryan. And there were times they put in the second string defensive line against the first team offensive line, and they were still whooping the offense's butt, right? And so it's like you start getting like, man, this group's got a chance to be really good. 
if they can carry it into the season, right? That's a that's something we got to see. But man, they were impressive to see in fall camp, right? And they really were. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. I mean, I, I think that the one of the biggest improvements that Notre Dame needed this offseason or just in general for the last couple of years is you need to get bigger and more impactful inside. Like you mm-hmm. needed to improve both those areas and immediately. I even think back to the spring, but especially the fall. I mean, you saw some of the weights on the roster, and you're like, oh, okay, I don't know where this exactly came from, but this is interesting. I mean, you talk about Riley Mills being 306 pounds, but Gabriel Rubio's 300 pounds. Jason Onye's over 290 pounds now. You got, you know, you got the couple incoming freshmen like Devin Houston's over 280 pounds. You got Armand Mukum at over 290 pounds. now. Devin Houston's yeah. over 290 now, yeah. So you got some size and some productive size, which I think is the biggest thing. And again, we haven't seen it in a game, right? I'm not ready to crown out Washington yet, but the fact that you have seen the offseason breakout of a Jason Onye, for instance, like that tells me that that kid's been coached up so far. That tells me that there's been something that's gotten through to him. Gabriel Rubio Early on in the season last year, struggled a little bit. Down the course of the season, he looked like he was going to – he turned himself into a good, solid contributor at nose tackle. Well, this offseason, looks like he could be better than that. He does. And honestly, some of the numbers that Riley Mills had – because athleticism has never been the the thing with Riley, right? It's been consistency. There was a play last year when he was playing big ends where he had to change direction at 290-something pounds. And I was like, that's that's – not an easy thing for him to do. And he just made it look like it was very, was easy, that the right? sack like, against Carolina was, may have been. Yeah. yeah. There was just, one, cause he looped there was one like play he where, jabbed and looped around and then ends up sacking Drake may. I, I think so. I, I just remember there was a play where he kind of was going inside. His body was kind of positioned on an inside track. And then he completely changed his body direction and was able to finish for a quarterback sack. And I'm like, yeah. or maybe just a pressure. I forget what it was, but it was, not an ordinary thing. Like 290 plus pounders don't move like that. And the fact that you're hearing now at 306 pounds that his athleticism and explosiveness has maybe taken a step forward. It's like, right. 
Dang, dude, because you're seeing the clips of him at practice. You're you're reading, obviously, your practice reports about Riley at practice and how just disruptive he's been. And then you hear about the gains that he's making from a from a just a a training perspective. And you're like, that all matches, man. That all matches. And if Riley Mills is that type of dude on on top of Jason Onye taking a step forward, on top of Gabriel Rubio taking a step forward, on top of now – a Howard Cross, who was the most known commodity in the room, but also is gotten himself a little bit bigger, and he's been an impactful player in the snaps that he's gotten during his career as well. That defensive line, interior defensive line, though, more than anything, has went from a room that I had major question marks coming out of last season, especially with Jason Adam Alola not living up to what we thought he could be and then leaving, and Chris Smith, who was a solid contributor for Notre Dame, you had a couple defections from the interior defensive line from last year, but mm-hmm. by all accounts, it's been several guys that have stepped forward and taken that next step. And if it if it translates into the season, then you feel really good about where you could be because yeah. everyone likes to bag. I, I know the Ohio State game, right, Brian, where they got worn down in the fourth quarter against the run. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about the linebackers, right? But the defensive line was also getting pushed around a little bit, man. Like, let's not just act like this is just a linebacker. And who were the two best players for Notre Dame that day on the D line? It's Howard Cross and Riley Mills. Yeah, and they, they had yeah. the two best games. Howard Cross, especially, I thought was very good that game. He was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was your veteran. It was Foskey that got pushed around. It was Adam Yola that got pushed around. It was like that's the guys you didn't expect to get pushed around, and they were getting up to the line. To your point, that allowed the guards to get up to the linebackers. And and that was obviously a, a concern. I, I, my big concern with the D line, Ryan, is when I it's, it's always when you see big weight gains across the board. You're like, okay, are they focusing on size and power and losing losing the speed, right? Because you know Al Golden likes to use his guys to kind of you know hit and kind of stay and eat up space. And are they just putting this weight on to have those guys do that? And then you watch them run. You're like, nope, they didn't sacrifice any athleticism at all. And in fact, to your point, they're a little quicker than they were. In, in the spring, like even Onye was noticeably quicker. Mills was noticeably quicker inside. I mean, and and I was really worried about Howard Cross because he put on almost like like over 10 pounds yeah. uh, since uh, since last season. And he's listed at like, what, 288 now? And he's like, no, yeah. still quick, still still disruptive. And you, you like to see it, man. But it, it's been a surprise. Another surprise for me, and it shouldn't be, it's not so much that he looks good as how quickly he looks good. Christian Gray, after this, the injury he he had uh, yep. in the spring, the time he missed with the meniscus and all those type of things, how quickly he's been able to kind of get up to speed and 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 really impress at a position that's like that's a position Ryan that's hard to impress if you're a rookie yep. because of how good it already is. Christian Gray's been a little of a surprise for me, and then of course he capped it off with a great, great scrimmage period a couple weeks ago. I mean, he was shutting down Tobias Merriweather, Jaden Thomas, Matt Salerno. It just didn't matter who they throw through at him. The only catch they had on him was a touchdown in a goal line drill that literally required Matt Salerno to make a one-handed catch and barely get his feet in. I mean, it, it required a perfect throw and catch, and that's exactly what they did. And and uh, you say, if you're going to get beat, that's how you want to get beat, right? Where you just you did everything right. It just required perfection from the other side, and that's what they did. He's been an impressive guy to me as well. I mean, I would say this. I, it's not so much a surprise, Ryan, but more confirmation is the freshman class athletically, because we don't know what kind of football players are going to be yet, but athletically, the freshman class is even better than I expected it to be. Brennan Vernon's more athletic than I thought. Christian Gray's even more explosive than I thought. Our, uh, Adon Schuler is more smooth and fluid than I thought he was going to be. I mean, we knew he was kind of a downhill, you know, thumper kind of kid. He's real smooth and fluid. Jaden Osbury and Drake Bowen are studs. Uh, 
you look at Brendan. I think I, did I say Brendan Vernon already? He yeah. looks great. Bubakar Traore has really shown me some twitchiness. Like when I heard they were lining him up at Viper, I was like, give me a bro. Seriously, why are we wasting this kid's time at Viper? And then you watch him, you're like, yeah, he still may outgrow that position, but I see the burst. Like the twitchiness is there. I've I've really been impressed with the athleticism of the freshman class. That's been noticeable. I mean, noticeable on this football team when you watch those kids run around. And they do it with really good size. I mean, Drake Bowen's their biggest linebacker right now with Nolan Ziegler out. I mean, yeah. Jaden Osbury's up to a legit – we were Vince and I were talking about this when Jaden ran by us at a practice. We're like, yo, he's, he's filled out a lot since the spring, and he's still smooth and explosive. He's up to legit 225 now, Ryan – and every bit as smooth and quick and as explosive as he was because it's all like in his butt and his thighs and his, I mean, like you can tell like that part of his body is just kind of, that's where the weights come from. And it's resulted in him being even more explosive. So that's been, I don't want, I won't say surprise, but an encouraging thing to see this spring has been that from that group. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we, there were some players in, in the freshman class that we expected obviously to be able to come in and help you. I mean, even if you go over to the offensive side of the football, you can, put guys like Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores in this conversation, but I don't like making declarations of players before they've played a single snap from the right. University of Notre Dame, but I'm ready to say that Christian Gray is going to be a stud at Notre Dame. Yeah. I'm ready to say it. I am. I mean, when you, when you have the athleticism that the kid has, when you have the technique and the nuance that he had, because that was the most impressive thing about his film when he was coming out of high school was at the Smet, he was, incredibly intelligent cornerback, right? Like play with great technique. And then the fact that he's a explosive athlete, you put all that stuff together. You're just like, yep, he's going to be really good. I mean, there's a, here's a hot take, I guess there's a chance and just follow me people out there with this one for a second. All right. There's a chance that after Cam Hart leaves, if Christian Gray takes a, that usual freshman, the sophomore year jump, the quarterback group in 2024 starters might be better than 2023, which is yeah. just wild to think about. Like it could happen guys. It could happen. I'm not trying to put too much pressure on Christian gray, but like he's been that eye opening so far in his Notre Dame career as a practice player. Like he looks yeah. like he is going to be a dude. Why did Ohio state and LSU and USC want this kid so bad? We're seeing it very early on that he is, he's a legitimate Really good football player, man. There's no doubt. Let's wrap up this section, Ryan, with sort of the the things on defense that are still unknowns. And there aren't a lot on defense uh, specifically. Now, the big picture unknown, you've addressed it already. We talked about it. How good will this defense be? That's still a question mark, right? Like we, I, I fully anticipate this being a top 20 defense. The question is, will it be 20? Or will it be 13? Will it be 8? Will it be 5? Those are all things that we don't know yet. It, it's going to be better, in my opinion, than what we saw last year. I, I, I have no doubt about that. I thought that was going to be the case coming into fall camp. It's been confirmed with what we've seen so far. You know, it, you feel good about where this defense is trending. How good? That remains to be seen. So that's a, that's a bit of an unknown. Will it be championship level? That's the question that still remains on both sides of the ball. Is it's going to be better, but better from eight and four? That doesn't mean that it's going to be better to 11 and one, 12 and 0. That's still a bit of a question mark, but that side of the ball, I have more confidence in right now of it being a known than I do in offense, even though the offense has an incredibly high ceiling, high upside. Uh, another one. So then we get into the specifics, Ryan, and there's two for me. The first one is the defensive end position in the pass rush. A lot of the pass rush we've seen this spring has really come up the middle or from blitzes 
And when we've seen the defensive ends getting pressures, it's been the backups. Uh, it's been Burnham. It's been Traore. It's been those kind of guys. Primarily because of the little amount of pure pass game stuff we've seen. Even the scrimmage we saw, you could tell there was a, a, definitely an emphasis on trying to get the run game going. The one that we saw at, at the high school last week. So we haven't really seen this team turn it loose on the edge. So it still remains a question mark for me, even though we saw Josh Burnham look great in the scrimmage. We saw Traore. They were doing it against like Ty Chan, Emil Wagner. They weren't doing it against Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. So it's still a little bit of a question for me because we've seen so little of these guys really being turned loose in in the few practices we've seen. It's just one of the byproducts of of the specific things that we've seen from this group. Athletically, they look good. But to me, that that edge pass rush to me is still a big question mark. Where is it going to come from? Will it be consistent? You know, we know who the contenders are, but will Batejo be able to do it week after week, series after series? Will Burnham and Tuila Maka be able to do it when the lights are bright? What are we going to get from Javante Jean-Baptiste? What you know, can Nana provide any pass rush off the edge? Though that to me is still a big question mark at this point in time. And and the tough part was that it was last year as well. Even with Isaiah Foskey. The consistency of outside pass rushers was not great last year. I mean, right. from the great games Isaiah Foskey would have, you would also disappear for a couple games. I mean, that's kind of where you were. And if you weren't getting a rush from Foskey last year, there wasn't a consistent guy to really turn to right. until you got to that last game of the season where Jordan Batelho balled out and had two sacks and 10 hurries. Like, you didn't really right. have yeah. a game like Riley that. Riley Mills from- had a sack and a half, right, when yeah. he moved inside, right. Yeah. So, I mean, you really, the big end position was one that you just didn't get enough production from last year. And then the guys that you're most excited about, you know, the Jordan Batelhos, the Joshua Burnham's of the world, incredibly talented, but they haven't proven that they could be the guy in a system yet. Like they haven't proven it. Even Jordan Batello, it's like, yeah, in a, in a, in a one, in a situation, in one game to game, he could be that guy. There's no question. But can he be the guy for 10-plus games? I have no idea if he could be that guy. If he can be, you're talking about a stellar defense, potentially. Stellar. But right now, I mean, Javante Jean-Baptiste was a a part-time player at Ohio State. Productive when he needed it, but part-time. Jordan Mattel was a part-time player for Notre Dame last year. Productive when they needed it, but still part-time. You have options but you always talk about turning potential into production. Well, right. Is that going to happen this year is my biggest right. question. The talent's there. There's no debating that. It's just, will it turn into that regularly? Because to your point, Ryan, is that times Isaiah Foskey last year looked like a first, second round pick. At times last year, he looked like a guy that just like, what is he doing in yep. this game? The other one for me is I think safety play has been good this fall camp. I've liked what I've seen from it. I would actually even consider it somewhat of a surprise because of how steady it's been. But we still haven't seen a a ton of ball production from the safety position. Part of it, again, by the nature of what we've seen in practices. We just haven't seen them in those instances a lot. So it remains a question mark if the safety group can still be a more productive unit in the pass game. Talent is there, but it's it's still a question mark at this point in time how this group is going to be. I think there's two layers to good safety play to determine it for me. One is the the baseline is you don't give a lot of stuff up, right? At the end right. of the day, you are the last line of defense. You don't want to give things up, right? I think Notre Dame could do that. I, like, I don't imagine there's going to be a lot of big plays given up down the field and a lot of explosive plays. 
But the difference between good and great production is can you make difference making plays, right? And not just not let things up. And we have no idea. What did you say before? There were six pass breakups or something seven. like that last year? Seven. From the safety yeah. position, yeah. It's seven in 13 games. Like, that's not a good Really bad. Pass. That's really bad number. And I mean, Harrison Smith doubled that up one year by himself in, exactly. 20, in 2010. I was going to say, if you if you see some of the better safeties in college football, like the Cameron Kitchens of the world out of Miami, for instance, they have that production by themselves. Like they have right. it by themselves. Like that's just kind of where you are. So you need to find those playmakers. I think that they are going to be in a better spot because I am a believer in Xavier Watts. I am a believer that it is at least going to be good. Is it going to be great, though? Have no idea. You right. need it to be great. He's been question. very good so far, but yes, to your point, when you see it in games, you know we haven't. I haven't seen a lot of DJ Brown. I know he's playing. I just haven't. He, you know, I can't watch everybody. I just haven't seen him. Ramon Henderson's had a solid fall camp. He really has. Uh, you know, coverage he's got had a you know gets beat a couple times. It's going to happen, but he's been solid at other times. We just we need to see it in Saturdays. It's just I haven't seen enough from in fall camp to be able to definitively pound on the table. And say, yep, they've turned the corner. They're going to be great. We still need to see it. Those are the two. Big you need, questions to, you need to find who those difference makers out are. Different right. make, different makers are as well because right. I mean DJ Brown might just be one of those guys where if he's not letting a lot up, that's good enough for right. what you expect right. from DJ. You know, but like can Xavier, can Ramon, can a freshman, can they be a difference maker that's right. going to create a big turnover? Because it doesn't have to. To your point, breakout. it doesn't have to be every guy, Ryan. It, exactly. if, like you said, if DJ Brown just tackles better and does his job, don't give up that occasional big play. That's all you need all right. from DJ. Let Ramon and Xavier be the the ball production guys. Antonio Carter can come in and be a run thumper. They don't need him to be necessarily a a guy that goes out there and makes a ton of plays on the ball in his first year. So it doesn't have to be every guy. The unit has to give you more, and that's what we need to see from that group.